Hello everybody and welcome back to No Rogues Bar here on the Rogue Opinions Podcast and Feed. I'm your usual host, Scott McLeod. This is the show where I struggle to do the introduction to describe what the show is because I sometimes forget myself what the show is meant to be. But this is a show where I interview members of the Rogue Opinions team. I interview people in podcasts that I know or who I think I'd have a good chat with. And today, this is the, the trifecta of eat, sleep, sleep, and retreat people because We've had Daniel Campbell from ASSR on, we've had Quacker Adje on, and now we have star of screen and screen. <laughs> our veritable film star is in our presence, we'll talk more about that in a bit, but uh, he's also known from his appearances on ESSR. I'm introducing him like his buddy Troy McClure, it's Andy Mitchell. Like, hi, I'm Andy Mitchell, you remember remembering me from such movies as... Uh... I can't, I can't do the Troy McCreel stuff. Uh, how are you doing? It's, nice. it's good to, it's good to be here. Good to have you here. Oh, sorry. We, there was some negotiation. I forgot that he has a stage name that he likes to refer to as Andre Michel. <laughs> <laughs> I will clarify that is, uh, that the only person who came up with that and refers me to that is Kwaku Aji. So, uh, that's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's funny. I remember I got an email and they misspelled Andrew and it came through as Andre Michel and I was like, is this you're doing Kwaku? <laughs> yeah. It's it's become self efficient, you know. It's it's uh, it's sort of going places now as this uh, moniker. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a thing with you and Quacko on the ESSR thing where there seems to be a, a rivaling schools thing between what is it Strathclyde and like Glasgow Uni? Oh, something Glasgow like. Uni, yeah. I didn't just... understand all that when I came in because I was like this, and I was introduced to the core group and was. Realizing how just how many people were involved in ASSR, I'm like, there's clearly backstories to these people that I don't know anything about. <laughs> to be fair, I don't really know much about the rivalry between the uh, the universities. I just know that Glasgow Uni is apparently better, and you know, Strathclyde. Now I'm joking. <laughs> uh, it's just I think it's just the University of Glasgow is a bit pretentious, and Strathclyde's a bit more like sort of like like a better sort of atmosphere, in my honest opinion. So which one were you at again? Sorry. I was at I was at University of Glasgow. <laughs> I was at the pretentious one. Uh, uh, I cannot tell with my my accent. But, okay, see, that's why he secretly doesn't want let us to know that he likes being called Andre Michel because that's what all the kids at the posh school were called. Exactly. When I graduated, they, they, that's what they shouted. I was like, "Yes, I've become Andre Michel." Andre <laughs> Mitchell is dead, and no, I don't know. I'm just rambling on. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's what this show is for. <laughs> you went to Glasgow Uni. What were you studying when you were at Glasgow Uni? Well, that's, when I sort of moved there, I started studying film and TV as well as digital media. But I dropped film just as concentrate on digital media and information studies. All right. Which uh, is just a basically techie sort of. Uh, I still don't even know what it is. It's just they handed me a degree and like you've you've done it, and I was like, thank fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think I can get a job out of it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who graduate to got their degree, and then when you ask them about their school, they're like, what was the course of it? I honestly have no idea. Honestly, I think there's, a, there's always this joke I remember seeing that's sort of like university is a lot like unemployment, but your parents are proud of you. <laughs> and that honestly feels like because most of the university it's like you just you just you miss classes you sleep through stuff and you leave everything last minute and then you just basically want to just yeah just 
I think I, I used to have like long hair before I joined the uh, university, and you know I'm completely bald now. That's the stress, you know, of university. I didn't actually have long hair. I was just a just a joke. <laughs> I was just kidding. I was good. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, I'll be honest, because you know, I I had a I think I've got some odd grey hairs. I think I had to yeah. attribute to university days. Oh, I tell you what, if I grew my hair out, it'd probably be grey. Uh, uh, but I obviously I, just, I keep it nice, nice and short just to hide that, just in case, you know. I'm still in my thirties, so. You know, I think you could pull off the long grey hair. You know, the silver fox, like I believe the ladies call it. Oh, if I if I grew my hair out, I'd look like Hulk Hogan in terms of just because uh, that's where it's grown. It's not grown on top; it's grown at the back. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought you went to university. Did you not go to uni as well? No, no, I did go to uni. I went to University of West of Scotland. Ooh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have a preference for universities. It's just like, which university has the course I particularly want? That one. I, 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 honestly, I think when it comes to universities, I think it's like, it's more the course. Like, you can go to the uni, but the uni is like, like, as long as you're enjoying yourself and if you enjoy the course, like, I enjoyed my course, but the university was a bit like, you know, it could have been better, it could have been worse, but I feel like I've heard like better stories that like people who went to Strathclyde and, you know, University of West and Cali and stuff like that, so. Like, I think a lot of the people from ESSR were like at Strathclyde, which I think is where the whole back <laughs> and forth comes from with like Sequaku and that. But, oh, they definitely have a click sort of thing going on. I've seen that secret handshake between the Wilson boys and you know uh, and David Hockney and Quacker. Yeah. That slap <laughs> secret handshake. It's like the like the stone cutters and the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. they, all, they all have meetings and everything. No, I probably do. And it's called the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet podcast. <laughs> just don't know why we've all got involved. So. How did you kind of get involved with the guys from ESR? Who, I mean, like, the group who was, like, there when it was the start? Because you were there very early on. I don't know. Yeah, as I remember, it was uh, top... Was it top floor? It was, it was one of the higher floors in uh, Strathclyde Junior. And I just remember I, I, I sort of... Uh, how, I, how I actually got involved was uh, Nathan Fisher. What was it? He was the... What was his nickname again in the podcast? I can't remember. I thought he was just... I think later on it became, like, somebody... We were doing a like who said this thing. It was like someone had said that Nathan Fisher is devilishly handsome. Yeah, and if anyone's ever met Gary, that's it's definitely sounds like something he would say. But yeah, essentially, um, Nathan. I'd met Nathan at Glasgow Uni, so essentially, when I sort of came uh, to the Freshers Week, I, I knew there was a wrestling society within the sort of the university so I think that was my first sort of thing I was like I need to find this wrestling society because I need to meet like-minded people like me and I went and I sort of got talking to Nathan and Connor who was there and uh, essentially went to one of their meetings and as the sort of semester went on I think I was the only one that still showed up so (laughs) I think there was about 10 at the start and then I just kept showing up because again love wrestling uh, and Nathan was about similar age to me. He was, we were about twenty-seven, so I, and uh, so we got on quite well. And then he talked about how he got like an interview, I think, with Stephen, and was mentioning that there was this podcast kind of happening, and they were like, "We're doing a meeting." And I think I'd met like I remember meeting Hockney, and he was like wearing a suit, and I was like, "Oh, this is like really professional." And I was like, "Like, what, what is going on?" This is like pure, like big, big business, and that sort of the. 
the sort of Scottish wrestling podcast world. But it was just he just finished work that day, so he just sort of came straight from the others. But yeah, that's how I sort of got involved with the sort of podcast where it was just through association from Nathan, and then I've just somehow stuck around like the the furniture. You just can't get rid of me. <laughs> But no, that's how it was, and um, yeah, uh, I, I still remember like uh, like Stacy was there, Stephen Wilson was there, Talkney was there, and then there was a few others who were a part of that initial sort of starting, who's long uh, long gone. Like I've said, like they've, they've passed away, but they just don't appear on the podcast anymore. But uh, no, it was just it was quite interesting to see, and I think that was about 2017. So yeah, that's been like five years. So yeah, it's still it's still crazy, and I still hardly know anybody on the podcast. So we can just show up, talk about wrestling. I'm like, I'm off. I'll catch you later. See you later. <laughs> so I just, I just find it bizarre because I think I I heard about the Glasgow Youth Pro Society through talking to you guys, through like you and Nathan, and uh, our mutual friend David Campbell mm. was. I think Nathan Fisher made the mistake of giving him access to the Glasgow Uni. Oh, no, that was me who uh, gave him access. I am not very Twitter savvy, as you've ever noticed me on my Twitter. I don't know what to really write and stuff. And essentially, I uh, David was just a... He sort of showed up, but he was kind of half interested, half not. And I was like... I think he wanted to be on the boards. Uh, and I was like, you know what, yeah, whatever, you can be the social media manager. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no worries, I'll, 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 he was like, you won't regret it, Andy. It's probably one of the many things that I've regretted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he essentially took a hostile takeover and just started, uh, talking about himself and stuff. And essentially that, that site is long dead now. And, uh, that, I don't even know, is that Twitter account still active? I, I couldn't even get access to it. He changed all the passwords. <laughs> so I couldn't like shut it down. He loves yeah, it. He, yeah, he loved it. Takeover. No, terrible. Uh, but no. Oh, sorry. Sorry, on you go. No, I was saying, yeah, I just remember that. So, yeah, that was my mistake. I, uh, I basically, um, Nathan had graduated, so I took over the keys of the uh, Wrestling Society, which then soon <laughs> uh, basically lasted a, a year because no one came to it. I, I feel like there's still that weird taboo that people... They don't want to admit, I don't know about now, but back in like 2017-18, they were still a bit like, I like wrestling, but I don't want people to know I like wrestling. It was like kind of like still a dirty little secret uh, within the sort of Glasgow uni sort of thing. So yeah, that society soon sort of went, but David took that uh, Twitter handle and just made it into its own thing, which is, you know, you've got to applaud them. So, uh, I typed in Glasgow Pro University Pro Wrestling Society into Twitter. And no actual accounts come up, but then there's somebody who you can also find just the words. So not even not even if someone tagged you in it. I say you know when somebody's vanity searching, mm. and just a tweet from someone called Dan Johnson saying Glasgow University Pro Wrestling Society loves you at make them is. <laughs> that must so be then, a new society. This was on the 12th of October, t- 2016. Oh. That would have been either Connor or Nathan. Then I, I don't even know. But again, that I don't even know what's happened to that. I, it's again just a just a wild time. What exactly goes on in a, a meeting of the Glasgow University Pro Wrestling Society? Well, essentially, I think we sort of showed up and uh, we so we just talked wrestling, and it was sort of like, "What's your favourite matches? How did you get into it?" And da 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 da. And I think it took us a while to rent rooms. Basically, if you're ever a part of a society within, I think I imagine in most universities, it's like 
you've got to kind of get registered. And once you get registered with the sort of university, then you can book out rooms. So I don't think we, I think we had a first sort of like. So the idea was it was to watch wrestling events, and it just took us ages to do to go. And I remember the first event we saw. I think it was. I want to say it was Survivor Series 98. I'm sure it was the Deadly Games was the first uh, event we watched, which is, uh, I don't know if you've, the last time you saw it, but it's like one of the best yeah. sort of early attitude era pay-per-views, in my opinion, because of just how mental it is. And that was it, and there was about 10 of us there, and then as the week went on, it was like, sometimes it was just me and Nathan, and we just sit and watch wrestling stuff, which was pretty cool. Well, that was essentially what it was. It was just people coming together and just watching wrestling pay-per-views. No, it seems cool. I just I remember hearing the idea of like there's a university that has a pro wrestling society because you know there's somebody who had a, had a handful of friends through thirty school days, none of which watched wrestling, and then <laughs> I got to college, made new friends, and a bunch of them liked wrestling, and then so that's the first time. I think it does seem to be you need to wait till you get older sometimes to find no. people like the thing you like. Like there's so much so like there was a kind of there's almost a whole like circle of, of computers in the room that I used to do my college course in and at this one little corner of it was me and the guy that I talked to about wrestling and a couple of guys' voices used to travel because it was a small room <laughs> they got annoyed at us for talking wrestling as often as we did and one of it's the one person actually called the wee section we sat in wrestling corner yeah which sounds like a pure wrestling podcast like wrestling, wrestling corner probably is one uh, but long story short, uh, to finish up with the uh, sort of Glasgow pro wrestling stuff, one of the best things I've probably done for him is that I managed to meet William Regal, and I'm wearing the Glasgow University uh, pro wrestling society T-shirt while I'm standing next to uh, William Regal, which was pretty cool. But I like was doing November, so I looked like a human potato. So it's not my best photo. So I'm not sharing it with anyone. <laughs> and- and um, when you met him, did he buy it and say, oh, hello, Andre, Michel, you little marshmallow, you scrummy scrummy. Well, I kind of really, because I lived in England for a while, so my accent is sort of a bit English or a bit Scottish. Someone someone compared it to uh, Sean Connery's James Bond, where it's like, you know he's kind of English, but there's just a lot of Scottish coming through. So I remember when I met him, I was just asking him how he was doing, and then I kind of realised that English people have a really hard time understanding me, because I was trying to figure out whether where my accent's actually from. And, uh, yeah, William Regal kind of just looked at me really confused, like, I don't know what this guy's saying. And I usually like, try to figure out. Uh, but I managed to talk my way backstage, actually. I managed to, like, meet him after the show, which was really, like, such a, still a surreal experience. Nice. Yeah, I've got the video on my Instagram, but essentially, yeah, I went backstage and, uh, it was just, it was just, it was really strange because he was sat down, he was doing a, a night with, uh, William Regal at the stand and I don't know if you've ever seen like William Regal talk obviously he's a great wrestling performer and you know like sort of on screen authority figure as well as wrestler and it was just him telling all these stories and essentially if the stand didn't have any other acts he would have been still talking all night because they, they essentially they had to come down and tell him to stop they were like you, you need to stop there's like other acts they need to come on to the stage. And they're like, oh, well, I need to go. And I think he told, like, six stories in about two and a half hours. But we just wanted to hear more. But I managed to sort of go backstage and he was sort of sat down. And I don't know if this is a story it's, it's interesting or not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm a big listener. I don't know if you've listened to, to William Meagle's podcast. He's got that gentle. Oh, yeah, he does have a podcast. I've not listened to it yet. <laughs> but he does seem to have that kind of idea because, like, there's an episode that's meant to be about how many experiences with Fit Finlay, but they end up altering the title because it's pretty much a history of British wrestling because we mm. just go and on about it. And I've seen people take kind of things, like, you know, you'd ask, you ask William Meagle how his day is going so far or what he had for breakfast. He goes, well, back in the 70s, those kids used to do this thing. <laughs> and then he's up for 20 minutes. <laughs> Honestly, that was how he was. And uh, I think I was, when I was back, I think we were about there half an hour just chatting to him, uh, me and a guy from uni. And uh, honestly, it was still surreal. It was, it was like, for someone who plays a really, like, dastardly villain, he was like one of the nicest guys I think I've ever met. And uh, yeah, he, he told me about the time that, well, he told the audience, but he showed me a photo of him and Phil Collins, because uh, before, while he was doing his sort of uh, audience with William Regal, was talking about how he wanted to punch, <laughs> wanted to punch Phil Collins in the face, and just sort of like shows the photo where they're two are together, and it's just honestly, if you ever get the chance to see him live, it's like honestly just one of the best things ever. He's just a great guy to listen to. Also, I love how you said you also met him wearing a Glasgow you know, Poor Society t-shirt, like, oh, there's only about 10 of us, so we still had our own merch. Oh, yeah, I saw it, but I think that's what it that picked it up to make it sound like those are like international sort of, <laughs> like, thing, because I just went, oh, I'm a part of the Glasgow University, like, shouldn't, I can't remember, because it's a pure mouthful, Glasgow University Wrestling Society, and uh, I just basically said if it would be cool, would I be able to like get a video of you just sort of giving a shout to the society? And then he was like, you know what? Uh, after the show, just come backstage and we'll do it then. <laughs> I was like, okay. Fair enough. Together. Uh, I did. There's a video. Did I say there's a video on my Instagram? I'll send you it uh, once we're finished. But yeah, it's just him just saying. Uh, sorry, that was the second take because I didn't have the the light on. The, the first one was funnier, but the second one is just him going... Hi, I'm William Regal. Please join the Glasgow University Society. And then that was it. <laughs> but no, honestly, it was really lovely. Uh, uh, yeah, one of the nicest uh, guys I think of all that. Yeah, he does seem like one of the like yeah, the nicest guys in wrestling. Yeah, which means it's which is amazing that how good of a he is. It's just that sort of that great sort of mind sort of thing. That's the thing. It seems to be the thing in wrestling. The nicest guys in real life are the best heels. Like mm. that's why so many Canadians are really good heels because you know Canada maybe are the nicest <laughs> in the world. But and you've got people like Edge, Jericho, Kevin Owens, all such great heels. Yeah, is that Chris Jericho as well? Uh, Bret Hart on his run because he was like, I think it's that thing. I think they just you know comparing themselves against America and they're like we should be better than America and everyone and America's like boo. We don't know what you're talking about, Canada. <laughs> Up there with your better health care than us. <laughs> I don't know. But, about wrestling, you talked about, you know, watching kind of old tools and talking with people on the Glasgow Pro Wrestling Society about how you just got into wrestling and favourite wrestlers. So, when, when was the earliest point you would have kind of first seen wrestling? Oh, I was really young. I I always remember uh, it was like a family friends where they like one of their sons was like a little bit older and he had all the like the WrestleMania sort of stuff and I always remember the cover where it was the WrestleMania six I'm pretty sure it's WrestleMania six the ultimate you know what is it the ultimate uh, so, the ultimate challenge and it obviously Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior 
And it's that thing where it's like, it's probably the same as how you look at comics, where it's like, wrestling had these like larger than life sort of figures. And I always remember, like, I was just like, captivated by, um, just the image of these two, like, Goliaths just like, sort of staring down each other on the video cover. And, but I don't actually remember the first match I ever watched, but I just remember from a really young age, I always was really into wrestling. And obviously when I was a, before I was a teenager, it was the actual there, and I just became, like, just another thing. I think it was when wrestling started appearing on Channel 4 is when I got really, really into it. But, like, I knew my history up until that point. I knew who Hulk Hogan was. I knew who Randy Savage. I knew a lot of who the WWF guys were. Uh, so it was just kind of, like, it just took to the attitude there where it was, like, I just, like, set it off, and I just became such a mark. <laughs> So you kind of would have been around exposed to a really a peak time to kind of get into wrestling, especially in the UK, like I said, like you said with the uh, the Channel Four stuff. Yeah, away. Yeah, because I remember as well. What it's quite interesting, obviously, when you're a bit when you're older and you look back at the history, and it was like Triple H sort of thing. Triple H was champion at the time. It was him going into the feud with um, Cactus Jack at Royal Rumble was because it was all because Heat was on Channel Four, so it was just giving you the updates, and it was like, oh, you can watch this wrestling event at, uh, on Channel Four. And I remember that was the first time I kind of I think it was like we had friends and family who had the odd pay per view video, but you didn't know the storyline going into it. You just watched it, and then it was like, well, I know who this is, but I don't really know what happened. So this was like the the sort of street fight was the first match I knew kind of going in. There was a bit of a story to it. So I always saw Triple H as like a main event guy because I think that was the he was like my first proper heel champion to like watch. So it was just interesting to see him, like now looking back, and that was like the match that kind of made him like a main eventer. And it's quite interesting to sort of get behind that at like such a young age as well, watch such a violent match. I think I'd have been about 10, you know, I just think from there I was like, wrestling is just the best thing ever. Yeah, I think if you tuned into the wrestling at any point between like 2000 and maybe 2005, the odds are Triple H was holding a version of a world title. Mm. I know, and I think as well. If I think I, I, I probably had a different opinion if I got into it, say two thousand three to four, and it was just Rain of Terror, Terror, because uh, luckily I didn't have Sky back then. It was, I didn't have Sky Sports; it was just Sky One. So I managed to see all the SmackDown, whereas I missed Raw, so I, I didn't get the chance to see his Rain of Terror, which is quite, which is uh, quite convenient, I would say. Yeah, I saw a lot of like heel championship because I was kind of growing up and you know, fully immersed in it when. Oh, more often when I watched them on TV, it was rare to not see them without the big gold belt when I was watching. But then I'd take that Ross had whether he'd either bought it or it was a show that when we did have Channel 4 or Sky or Grand, I would have taped for, mm-hmm. for him to watch. And then they were a bit, so I watched them. And so one more thing I know is Privilege was there with the old WWF, you know, the at, big attitude era. Oh, WWF. That was, I'm watching, one of my favourite belts, that. I'm watching, so I'm watching current day and I'm watching these old things. I'm like, and my my young brain's like, has that guy ever not got the bloody taste? <laughs> to be fair, yeah. I, I remember after yeah, the end, early 2000s to about 2005, we just he always had the title. <laughs> just you tune into wrestling, like, buddy, follow Jack, and I'm like, that gobshite again. <laughs> How did that gobshite get the championship again? Because how many did he win in total? Was it 15, 14? I can't remember. Last one he won was in, like, 2016. Yeah. 
just mad. But uh, no, that was kind of my forte into it. And uh, my early favourites was uh, like McFoley, and uh, which was quite strange to sort of get into it. And then it was like a month later he retires for a bit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it was just a, it was just a really interesting time. And I think again, it was like a lot of people uh, in the UK just from just got really into it, and it's the best time to get into it. Like two thousands is so underrated. I know every, the attitude era is like ninety eight and that, but uh, yeah, the two thousands were just a hell of a, a time to get into wrestling. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Do you remember what we were? Your first show might have been for USSR because I was struggling to figure this out. Pretty sure I did a quiz. We were talking about the history of USSR, but I, I wrote down, um, I wrote down somewhere everybody's like first shows. So I went for my study and, and I went to find that book, find the notepad. I wrote that on for this show and I can't fucking find it anywhere. <laughs> Too many notepads. I want to. Oh, sorry. I was like, I've got like. I've got umpteen different like notepads. Some of them are used I haven't thrown out yet, even though I've already used them. It's <laughs> like I, I need to write a lot of notes for my my work in that. No, understand. I know. I know the feeling. I, I'm pretty sure my first one might have been Raw's greatest moments because uh, I remember talking about Daniel Bryan uh, turning on the Wyatts in the cage match. Uh, I feel like it was like one of my first sort of sort of tangents I went on during the e, uh, ESSR podcast so I'm pretty sure that was my first one and yeah I think it was me, Nathan um, Stephen definitely was there in Quacko uh, back in town, I don't know if David Hotley was there or not, I, I, can't, I can't remember who else was there, but it's quite weird, I've been on a lot of people's first like, uh, sort of the regulars sort of first sort of podcast, I actually uh, David wouldn't like me to, David Campbell wouldn't like me to admit this, uh, but he like I was the one who sort of got him involved with the podcast where I kind of recommended him and said there's a lad that I know from uh, Glasgow he's really interesting and you know I think so I appeared on his first podcast as well as well as like Daniel's and um, Chris's and I don't even know who else's, like, there's been a lot of people where it's like oh it's the first time on the show and I'm like oh how are you doing? And then they've just sort of just become more into a bigger factor into the podcast because I just like sort of come up, do a guest thing, and then I just disappear for ages. I'm like a bit like Undertaker that way, where I just <laughs> like, I come when I'm needed, and then I go for ages. <laughs> so we have you to blame for David Campbell there on this podcast. I do, you yeah. You've got me to blame for David Campbell's rampage on that. Uh, that Twitter handle for the Glasgow University Pro Wrestling Society and introducing them to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think that would have been interesting when you were talking about the Ross Grace ones, because I think, yeah, you said 2017 when the podcast started, so that would have been just as they were gearing up for that very disappointing Raw 25 show that they did. Basically disappointing if you were the one in the Manhattan Centre where you got, like, <laughs> segments. I can't remember if I watched that one. Uh, I remember watching it. But I may watch some of it live, and it was not worth it. <laughs> no, I can't remember because I think again it's really weird because as I sort of the more I got involved with the podcast, the less I actually started watching current wrestling. So it's just this few weird things that I cannot remember. I think the last uh, wrestling pay per view I would have watched was WrestleMania thirty seven six. I want to say. Yes. 
it was before pandemic, so I think it might have been. It was the one where it was um, Reigns and which not helping Reigns and uh, Brock Lesnar, but Reigns was uh, a good guy. It's the one where I think after the match, uh, Brock threw the title to Walter Fence. That was so that, that was what? Sorry. Pretty sure that was thirty-four. 34, that was the last WrestleMania that I watched and I actually left halfway. I left before the final match because I was like, this is going on for too long and I'm, and I'm tired. It's four o'clock in the morning and I'm going to bed. <laughs> like, like a grumpy old man. Uh, I mean, that is a fair, fair point to make because, you know, I, I was at Gary's for WrestleMania 35 of all in year and that was a long show. But we had a good time, but it was a long one. And then me and Ross are walking home, walking down the road because... We only, we only lived about 10 minutes from where Gary was. And I was going to Ross as we were on along, like, I can see the sun coming up in the <laughs> distance. That should not be happening. A wrestling show shouldn't end. It's oh. the sun coming up. So I remember I was, uh, I think it was a year before where it was, uh, well, WrestleMania 33. And I think it's the pre-show started at 10. And we didn't leave there till 5 in the morning. Because I was like, right, it's about 3 now. It's going to wrap up in about half an hour to an hour. It fucking kept going. And I was just like, what is going on? I was like, it's nearly five in the morning. I was like, I am so tired. I, and I was just as like, I think I was when I started to lose my love of wrestling because of like such a long, long day. Seven hours, like a wrestling is a lot. You know, bring back the days where it was like three hours. Well, that's what they seem to be doing on these, on the B shows especially. Like even Survivor Series this year didn't feel like that long. Because mm. you had like five matches to, Two of them were war games, so they still took up a bit of time. But, so you've you've been on ESR for quite a while. Like I think you're one of the, maybe one of the longest like seven people on the show, even though you guys like in and out. So, so I think you are like somebody in wrestling who you don't always appear on TV, but then someone you pop up and we're like, oh, he's still here. Yeah, I'm like um, it's just a guy that was in crime time again. So yes, my my wrestling knowledge is just sort of just kind of going out the window. The guy was like still contracted to like WWE for like ten years, but he never showed up on TV, and then just released him because of like why is this guy still with us? Yeah, like TTG, I think it was. Uh... Yeah, that was it. I was like, I was, I was like, oh, because it was like uh, Shad was the the other guy back there. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I feel like I'm like Tim, where I'm just I'm just there, and it's like, yeah. wow, you know, hey, we need you for this, and I'm like, okay, cool, I'll I'll, I'll show up. Yeah. I mean, I was going to make it more of a Dolph Ziggler comparison, but if you want to go down the more obscure it on you. <laughs> that's why I, I prefer my obscure sort of random sort of trivia. So that's what I was thinking. Dolph Ziggler, I forgot, is he still wrestling? Shows yeah. you, goes to show how much I still watch it. So I think the last time I saw he was on NXT, he showed up in NXT. Yeah, he did for a few bit. Why do you think it is that you you kind of fall well, more away from watching wrestling on a regular basis as you become more involved in a thing that a show that talks about wrestling. I think it's just more like just not enjoying what was on TV at the time or like just the length of shows. Uh, I think it's just a combination of a few things where it's like um, I do like talking about wrestling. I think it's that thing of I like reading about the backstage stuff. I think that's probably what kept me interested in wrestling is like, I like the, the, the drama behind stage. I like, I think there's more interesting things going on behind the scenes than there is on the TV at times. And it was kind of like that. And it's always just interesting to kind of read between the lines and 
But then it's that thing. There's just too much. It's like everyone say, "Oh, you should watch NXT. NXT is great." And it's like, "Yeah, no race. Oh, but you need to watch SmackDown. SmackDown's getting good again. All right. Oh, Raw's interesting. You need to watch Raw. All right, I'll watch Raw. Oh, and that TNA is starting to get good again. Shows you how long ago this was. I don't even know if TNA is still good anymore. <laughs> you know, and I was like, "All right, I'll watch that as well." And then it's like, and then you've got like AEW, Ring of Honor. Uh, just other, you know, and then there was the ICW as well. So it's like it's like over ten hours of wrestling, and you're just like, don't get me wrong, I love it, and it's great. There's like so much wrestling happening, but it's like, oh, it's so hard to just keep up. It's like they kind of need a match of the day, sort of, uh, you know, sort of thing of just like all the wrestling. So it's like, this is what happened, this is what, and then I'd probably be able to follow it. Whereas now I just feel like. You know, there's just not enough time like, in the world to just kind of just sit and watch all wrestling when you're trying to like do a full time job as well. No, no, I completely understand where you're coming from there. It does feel like from the show that I've done with you not uh, too long ago, like because you've been do- when changing up how the main future shows the answers are are running, and you've been both well, me and I've been on a few of those, and like ones that are talking about not current stuff, but like looking back at stuff. I feel like that seems to be more your strength. Like where I think you seem to be more, you seem to enjoy yourself a lot more in those shows. Like I remember we we did a show where we were t- had to talk about wrestling documentaries and we talked about uh, Punk's documentary from mm. 2012. I thought we had, had a really good time doing that show. No, I did as well, and it was quite interesting to see it through the lens uh, from now. And it was just quite an interesting sort of. Because I remember when I watched that that uh, CM Punk uh, documentary when it first came out, I was like, oh, this is really good. And I think it was like, they, I remember it was like people were saying, oh, WWE is like the way that documentary is. It's so much better than like what they've done before. It's like a new way of doing it. And it's just interesting to see it now with obviously Punk being like sort of disdained as he is with the whole, you know, the the whole pre-all-in sort of conference thing and it was quite interesting to watch it and it's just like although it's 10 years he just seems like the same guy he was 10 years ago he just he hasn't it doesn't feel like he's grown up <laughs> you know it can you know it's still the same uh old crap with uh, with punk which is you know fair enough he's like he is a good wrestler but you know it's kind of like yeah it's just like grow up man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I know you said about the diamond. I was buzzing for it when I was coming out. You know, I went out to a shop to buy it on DVD. That's how. That's even though it was twenty twelve. It's twenty twelve. Still feels mm. like a, a lifetime ago. But we well, uh, think how long's the network been on for? It's not even been on for that long. So it's like you kind of had to go out and get all the DVDs. I still remember they were talking about the network trying to do the network back in twenty twelve, but it was going to be like a channel and stuff like that. Yeah, I think Vince is wanting to do something like that for. Like, so this that came out like two years before the network. Mm. I remember everything that happened between them and Punk because Punk left right as the network was launched and everything that happened between the two of them. Uh, I was like, maybe I think I've got the DVD somewhere, but like, I'll just check the network. I know before that show, and I was like, and I said to you guys, I was shocked to see that the Punk documentary, considering oh. everything that happened, like the lawsuit, him going to AEW, the fact that his documentary is still on the network. But again, it's good for not to quote Triple H, but it's good, it's best for business to keep that on there for it's like oh, Punk's done something else. So do you know that documentary stuff on? You know, people go and watch it. You know, yeah. it's, hand, it's better to keep it on. Waiting for ideas like us to make a podcast about it. Exactly, I think they know they're like these people are going to talk about this, and then CM Punk's going to vanity himself and he's going to block everyone. <laughs> yeah, good. 
I remember you said about how at the time it was like, well, it's a different way of like doing documentaries, and yet I remember watching it back, you know, like, like how WWE since the network really stepped up their game on the documentary side of like the W24s, WWE Chronicle, and stuff like that, and it feels weird. This seems like a step down compared to how much WWE's just evolved, so because mm. WWE's always had like class production, especially in the documentaries. No, but no, no, again, it was a, it was a fun time to watch it, and uh, again, it's good to see WWE's actually took that sort of staple and, you know, went and made it. Because I, I think it's like at three, like table of three or whatever it's called, where, and, like, that's quite interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of good stuff on the network, which is, it makes me kind of, like, want to, like, get it. But then I'm like, it's £10, and most of the time I don't even watch anything on it. But there is a lot of good documentaries on there. Because haven't they bought uh, Dark Side of the Ring? Haven't they bought that franchise? I remember reading... I don't remember hearing that. I heard that oh, they, wanted, they wanted to work with them because, uh, especially season three of that, every episode it seemed like whatever the story was, it came to. And Vincent Mann, by the way, did you know that Vincent Mann is evil? Oh yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then it came out that Vice wanted to do a documentary, like they would like be an hour and a bit long, and like Vice, you could do a fucking whole series on Vincent Mann. Why are you trying to condense it to one fucking episode? Uh, honestly, I'd be interested when they do it. It's because isn't there a film that he wrote that's supposed to come out, and it's just like it's like he like tells the story of how he met Linda and he met her in a hooters bar, and it's like that didn't happen. Why you you know why you change the narrative? But then again, that's that's uh, Finch McMahon in the hole where it's like these people don't remember what happened last year. We can change it. I know because like I'm pretty sure I did some research about Vince Man because I did a show about Vince uh, recently. And like I think I think he's there's clip, there's stuff online about it and there's a clip of him in a documentary talking about it, like oh yes me and my wife Linda we met in church so why why Vince would change it from church to Hooters maybe to make himself seem more manly I don't know I think he's thinking he's writing a storyline for the for the WWE that's probably why he's getting confused with. I mean you if anyone's ever seen Linda McMahon that woman's never seen a Hooters in her fucking life ah uh, you could tell uh, well she's like middle class isn't she she's quite quite middle class partner. Yeah, she's very, very prim and proper. <laughs> but on SSR, while you have been kept up and every so often, I mentioned you a bit ideas that shows looking back on stuff rather than current day. You did, you have had a chance to uh, host the odd show. I think you did the NWO show we did back in 2019. I think did you host the big show one we did as well. I did. Yeah, I think. I want to say the big show might have been one of the first ones I did, but I can't remember. I know I've done a few, but uh, yeah, the big show one and the NWO one uh, I've done, which is quite weird because I, I I can't remember anything about them. I think it was just because I was so nervous doing it, but I remember Daniel uh, Campbell, because he was on the NWO and that was one of his first shows, and he was like, tell me about it. I was like, man, I, I, was like, I can't. I can't remember doing it. I honestly forgot you were in it. You know, <laughs> just, just like uh, I was like, it was just. I think I, I don't know if it's yourself where, when you're hosting and stuff, it's like you just it just because you kind of kind of control, like uh, the flow of the show and obviously they keep it There's a lot of pressure on you, so it's just for me. It's like I it was fun doing it, but I'm also like, oh, I'm glad that's done because you're just like, whoa, just so much like sort of pressure. But that's just from my point of view. Yeah, I think even because it was more pressure back then as opposed to how we've been doing over Skype ever since the 
the pandemic happened because back in the days where we used to all record in person, we all had to, the host had to write notes for then print the notes out and then we had to actually type mark like, we're going to talk about this for 10 minutes, no more. <laughs> like, we're going to talk about this for 15 minutes and no more. Like, it felt yeah. much more structured and I felt like it was a lot of pressure having to keep to that structure. No, I, f- I think it's hard when you've got like six guys in a room and mm-hmm. women as well. Uh, and it's that you're all trying to like, tell your piece about rest and it's kind of it just become a sort of free-for-all where everyone's kind of like talking over each other and that and it's it is fun uh but it is kind of yeah it's you know if it were let to run wild on some of those podcasts it'd be like three or four hours long mm-hmm. yeah I, mean, I know you don't want to go that long but then again it you don't want to be feel like it's constrained as it used to be sometimes when we mm-hmm. took back in the studio days and i just feel like there was uh, a lot of tension that day like I could tell you were nervous, but hosting, and then you had Dan, Daniel Campbell there, who, like he, he said, he like he felt comfortable after he made Quacker laugh, which isn't always the hardest thing to do. But like, no, <laughs> Quacker laughing is like just breaks every. I think he just breaks everyone. He just has such a like distinctive laugh. It's just really funny. So you got Daniel trying to ingratiate himself, doing his voices like he, he's like he's one to do, trying to you know make sure he fits in with the group, and then you got you trying to. You're feeling very nervous about the show. It was just, uh, you can tell it's all nervous in the show, but it's nice when you, when the show starts and thing gets, it gets into a groove, you can tell people, you can tell that people kind of relax a bit more. Yeah, I think it's always like, I think it's like the beginning of the show's, uh, always quite hard. I'm actually quite, uh, like anxious. I, I do have, like, I have, like sort of issues with my anxiety which is always quite fun to do whereas like uh, doing a show so it's kind of like uh, yeah and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I can't remember the, the shows I've hosted um, but no it's just uh, but again I think that's the thing I think the start on it is always hard and obviously there's the the introductions and you know we all kind of like throw barbs at each other and I always like worry you say well what if you say something that's a bit like too harsh but uh, we've never run into that problem, thank God. But it's always like hard to get that kind of going, and then as soon as it's like, I think as soon as you throw it out to the panel, the panel just sort of just people want to say stuff, they say it, it, it creates a sort of discussion, and then it's like boom, you're off to races. Totally. Would you probably say that for the sake of your anxiety, you'd rather just be like a panel social rather than the host of it anytime soon? Um, to be fair, I think I enjoy the sort of research part of um sort of doing the whole stuff. But again, it's my worry is you've either got too much or too little. So it's always kind of easier just to be like one in six when it comes to the panel because it's just a case of somebody just goes, "What's your thoughts, Andy?" You go, "I think this," and then somebody could either take over and disagree and you just kind of let them do their thing. So I think that's why I end up getting into the the zone of just I'll just say something stupid or I'll say something to kind of make it laugh, and I think. Uh, as you've probably noticed yourself, I, it sort of builds up and it becomes more outrageous. So I'm <laughs> trying to tone that back down because it's just like um, yeah, it's funny, but I kind of feel like it's you know if anybody was to listen to the podcast and you know it'd be like, whoa, what did that guy just say? You know, it's a bit. I'd probably get cancelled. You know, if I ever became famous, which I doubt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Unless, it depends on David Campbell's film. You know, if I, if I, if that just becomes a massive hit, then it's like, yeah, people are coming after me. <laughs> people are going to listen to that podcast and be like, well, he said this on this note about Hulk Hogan, and even though he's a bastard, he should never say that about Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate your your sense of humour, but uh, 
I think there are some things that if other people hear, especially out of context, you, you'd be going to jail. Like, I know. We can't tell elsewhere. If that group chat got hacked, we'd all be in jail. Oh, yeah. I'm a part of many group chats where it's a case of if this gets into the wrong hands, people will be like, what is the, what is going on here? And it's like, you need to be a part. It's just, I think that's that thing of, um, I love humour. I love dark humour. I love silly humour as well. And I feel like it's like, in the world we kind of live in where it is kind of, you've got to be careful. Well, you've always got to be careful what you say, but it's like, when, especially when it comes to like humour, it's like, Again, it's very subjective, and I always feel I, I I don't know if you've heard of the comedian Stephen Hughes. Is that an Australian comedian? Oh yeah, I love him. I was listening to I think his the other day actually. No, he's great, but he uh, talks about how it's kind of like when someone gets offended, it's more about their insecurities, and it's not really about it's not what you're saying. It's more about their reaction to it. And again, it's that thing when you actually break it down. It's like it's just words at the end of the day, and it's just we've contextualised like how. Like certain words mean certain things, and it's like when you just break it down, it's just people just getting mad over made up words that don't mean yeah. anything, and that's just kind of the way I sort of approach life. But I have said stuff that's like people are like, "You can't say that." And I was like, "I don't even say anything that bad." <laughs> you know, it's just like, geez, it's like, oh, it just it just makes me laugh. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, I recommend people look up that about Steve Hughes uh, talking about uh, being offended because it's really funny and. I do love it. He talks also about health and safety, and I remember thinking about this because I listened to that you, and then I went to Amsterdam with a group mm. of the guys. Uh, I think it was Alan Stey do it, and it was I was thinking about it every time we walked by the water because he used to the point early. And in Amsterdam, they got a canal next to a road. No fence, you know, a fence. In the UK or anywhere else in the world, the big signs say, "Don't go on the water, don't fall in." Whereas yeah. in, in North Amsterdam, it's like, "Is your bike wet?" Yeah, well, you have the wrong bloody bits. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think it's just like common sense, but I feel like we just, I don't know, I think it's just the world is just a bit mad at the moment. So, um, don't get me wrong, it's like, I know woke's a, a sort of an easy sort of target to just wind up, but it's like, it, they, they're coming from a good place, but it's just, yeah. you know, it's just they're, you know, some people just take it too far. I get what But, uh, you may not have to, Say you might know you're worried about being famous, but we need to talk about your your bridging film career. Oh, my film and, career, yeah. Because <laughs> I think people who know you would would uh, be annoyed at me if I didn't talk about this. But you were the start of, or one of the stars of what was meant to be. Andy Mitchell wants to be a pro wrestler. That was meant to be the name of the film. Yeah. It's been written. That's by how me. that was how it was sold to me. That's how I was like, oh, okay, David, I'll be a part of your movie. <laughs> of course, everything else with David Cameron all comes around it all goes back to being about him yeah. but through various things including the film not being finished because of the pandemic and then one of the guys working with David buggering off back to America got changed into 10 reasons not to make a movie so it's like a movie within a movie so no it was definitely I was saying it was definitely ambitious and I remember where it was like we were just filming because I essentially uh, I, I, I'm not an actor and I can't act uh, that's why I was like uh, 
<laughs> it sounds like very hot. It sounds like a very professional act of thing to do. Where it's like I'm sick of seeing myself. I'm leaving the screening, and I left halfway through a screening that I I, I was in the movie because I just was like I can't I just can't watch myself anymore. I just I'm just not into it. And I actually done the whole method acting thing. I'm just using finger quotes, which no one can see. Uh, where I actually uh went to. The asylum, the Glasgow University, Glasgow University, Glasgow <laughs> Pro Wrestling Asylum, uh, the sort of training school for ICW, and I sort of trained in uh, wrestling for like ten months, which again added a bit of little bit of authenticity into the into the film. Uh, and again, like David is, is 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 many things. Many people will say many things, but he's a very ambitious guy and. You know, he is very good at seeing stuff and he wants to do it and he'll, and he'll do it. Like, I, you know, and he'll get people involved and, you know, I think he's going to go far. And I hope he doesn't get this far into the podcast because, you know, he'll probably, his head will explode if I say nice things about him. But, uh, no, I think he, he he's really good at what he wants to do. And again, he's working in TV and stuff now. And, Again, that paid off from just him wanting to make a film about his pal and, you know, in my way of helping him out was, you know, I always wanted to try wrestling. So it was quite cool to sort of do it and sort of also add that level of, well, you know, at least, you know, I actually went out my way to learn the skill and sort of help out with the film and uh but again we just didn't realize it was going to take that long and obviously a pandemic happened because it's quite funny because you can see the weight changes in a lot of us where it's like at the start of the film we're all a bit skinnier and then by the end we're all just like just out of shape and just you know it's quite it's, it's quite a funny before and after because uh, uh, i remember there was like a trailer he made where he showed a bunch of us i think he said on facebook of the kind of version you're basically playing yourself, and I think with the the mockumentary style that he was filming, and I think it did help you, like because if there were points where you were feeling awkward, you could kind of work that into the, the scene because you were technically playing yourself. No, I always remember I had the idea as well, which we I never really discussed with David, but then he kind of came with me with these because the idea was it was going to be a film about a mockumentary following like myself around and a crew of his uh, just to basically the wrestling sort of stuff like I end up becoming a wrestler and I actually sort of was like because it was just taking ages to film and I was like I started watching re-watching Garth Morangi's Dark Place and I was like why don't we just kind of do I never even say it but I was thinking I was like why don't we just kind of do that where it's like because I had it in my head it was like if this film never gets made like we could wait like 10 years and then sort of go back to it and then do it where it's like us talking about the making of the movie and just kind of having that Garth Morangi spin. But that was just like a thought I had, never really discussed it. And then David kind of came and he's like, I'm going to actually do like interviews within the interview. And I'm like, are you just like in my dreams or something? I just like, because I've like thought of this as well, which is quite interesting. So, so I think he was basically asking me, do you think that's a good idea? And I was like, well, yeah, because I've kind of thought about this. It's just, it was just kind of strange. But yeah, and then he, he kind of got us all back together and kind of got us all filming. And again, it's a shame because we had American Joe and essentially by the time we'd finished the movie, he graduated and went back to America. So it was just a bit like, well, we're buggered then. So it was quite funny trying to come up with a reason how um, one of our main stars in the film um, <laughs> isn't in the film anymore. Uh, you mentioned the, the Garth Marenghi thing. Just 
it may think uh, there's a clip that everyone shares around, uh, and I've heard it come up in wrestling context, the clip of Garth Marenghi, and I was watching it last night, the more extended version of it, he goes, I know writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. <laughs> oh, it's great. Uh, I do love that quote. Uh, I think as well as, like, there's, there's just, it's such a good show. If you've never seen it, it's so weird, and it's kind of like, I've watched it with people, and they're like, what is this? Like, what is this show? And you're like, you, it's just, it's just so, it's like, it works for now. It's like, it's so ahead of its time where it's like, it, it, if it came out now, it'd be like a monster hit. Everyone would love it, but it came out in 2004 and just everyone was like, why is this show really terrible? And it's like, it's because it's supposed to be really terrible. And, uh, not that I'm saying that, uh, <laughs> the, uh, 10 reasons to make a movie is terrible. It was just the idea of doing the interviews on top of the actual filming, which is quite funny. But, uh, no. So, like, so like the initial idea that David had, when would he have brought this up? He would have been like 2017, 2018, something like that. Yeah, it'd been 2017, because I remember the house that was living, I don't even know if we filmed there, but the, the house I was living with, I, I moved out there in 2018. I think I'd moved between two properties, and we were still filming, and someone else had moved three times, and we were still filming, so it was a case of 2014, and a lot of it, we managed to, like, well, I say we, uh, David managed to rent out, this is, like, so daft, this story, so he managed to, like, rent out, like, a boxing sort of studio, uh, from someone in, uh, I think it's Linwood, where it just had this thing and they, and they didn't open till after five, so David managed to do a deal where it was like, we'll, um, we'll, uh, we're gonna film a film in here, we'll rent it out for a week, and the guy was like, yeah, no worries. And then, during the filming of it, David kinda comes up to me and he goes, oh, the papers are gonna come round, and I was like, why is the papers coming round? He's basically like, the owner of the gym has contacted the papers, cause they generally think we're fil- film, like a Hollywood film here, so they're gonna take a, <laughs> so they're gonna take a photo of you and the trainer, and I was like, I was like, you're joking. And he's like, no. And the next thing I know, it was like, I, I don't know, it must have been like the Linwood paper, I don't know the name of it. But they show up and start taking photos of me and this guy posing in boxing sort of poses and stuff like that. And I'm like, like is this actually for real? And yeah, did, like I, I never saw the article, but uh, yeah, did, this guy just went out his way and he was like, yes, like Hollywood's came knocking and they're making a movie in my in my gym and the local people came and like done a story about it and I was like this is just this is just too daft this is like this guy is just so funny oh the mentioned <laughs> like it's, it's funny when I was watching the film like like because you do the actual wrestling match at the end in a wrestling ring but during the training I'm like that's quite obviously a box and I'm like I hope, I hope they're not taking bumps in that ring because I was sure a you know, wrestling ball in a boxing trick like a bastard. Oh, I remember when I was doing wrestling uh, training, I remember I was talking to BT Gunn, uh, she was one of my trainers, and I sort of mentioned that, because I was going to a gym that had a boxing ring, and I, and I, just, I just went, and I was like, hey, what's the, uh, if I was to do like a bump in a boxing ring, would, would that be like kind of fine? He was like, no, so unless you want to get a concussion, you know, uh, or like break your body, he's like, don't do a bump in a boxing ring that's just not made to, to take that kind of punishment. I was like, oh, fair enough. And then, uh, yeah, I show up and David's got like a box ring and, uh, I think he did want me to do a bump and I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I've literally been told by a trainer not to do it in a box ring and he was like, yeah, okay, no worries. <laughs> was it kind of an authenticity thing that made you think like, I need to, like actually train for this or was it like 
I assume once you get the idea for wrestling, you thought you had to be trained some way, but you kind of really committed yourself to that. It was more just, uh, I don't really know if it was David that sort of came and sort of spoke about the film and he wrote the script and I sort of read through it with him. And then I don't know, I can't remember if it, I, I don't really remember. I just remember I signed up for Asylum and then I was in and I was like, David, I'm actually doing wrestling training as well. And he was like, he's kind of a bit like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it uh, at the Asylum. So, which was fun. Uh, it was fun. It, it, it was really weird. Like, uh, I don't know about yourself, but it's that thing, you know, you always dream of like you want to, like, as, like you wanted to be a wrestler. And it was, it was really cool to sort of be in that environment and sort of, there's a few people with, who I've trained with who have actually gone on and they're getting like shows and stuff and I see them on like social media and, you know, a lot of nice people and they're really, really doing well. But it was, yeah, it was just really, like 2018, I want to say, it was like really surreal just to think, I'm doing this film for my pal and I'm also doing wrestling. It was just was like, you know, as a kid I was like, oh, it'd be cool to be like an actor or a wrestler and I was kind of like doing them both in such a low-key sort of way. But it was like, still cool to do it. Still a sort of like, that's a kind of tick off the bucket list for both. So it was like, yeah, although it was like, there was some hard times doing the film. It was like, again, like I, I would have never had that opportunity and uh, I'm always kind of grateful of it, even though it was <laughs> it was hard going at times. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so your main trainers, like you mentioned, BT, without being kind of like your your wolf guys and that, because I, I know uh, a lot of it helps the training. So was was Lionheart still around then? Because I know he's since. Yeah, Lionheart was still there. Lionheart was like my favorite trainer. Like I, I to be fair, I, I don't think there's going to be many wrestling coaches that's listening to this. But uh, I'm not going to like slate anybody. I'm not that bad. But I, uh, we had BT Gun Wolf Gang showed up. For a few, he was really cool to train with. Um, Jack Jester, um, Lionheart, um, what's his name? I forgot his name. His name's Andrew. His real name's Andrew, but I forgot his actual wrestling name. Oh, <laughs> Red Lightning. That's it, Red Lightning. Uh, he trained us for a bit, and Steve Ray and, and Kelly Ray as well. They they trained and you know they were all they were all great like but uh, I don't know what it was I just always felt with uh, Lionheart it was like I remember like I got really bad whiplash and I I totally forgot about the whole I always remember hearing the story about how like one of the Scottish wrestlers like took the Styles Clash wrong and they broke the neck and I didn't realise it was him and I was kind of like just went to the side I think it was like my second week or uh, a training and I was like look I've my neck's like really sore and. I was just a bit worried, and he goes, ah, nah, don't worry about it, like, kind of rest off and that, and he was always just really good to, like, kind of go to and just chat to, he was just a really nice guy, like, uh, again, it was just a shame, um, obviously all the kind of personal stuff that he was going through, and I always remember when I got told that he'd sort of been passed away, it was just a, a, a massive shock, because you just, you, again, it's that thing with mental health, you just never know with people, and uh, it was just like, he was always like a good guy, and it wasn't like, I'm not like picking up, like I was like his best mate or something, it was just, out of all the trainers, I always felt like, he felt really, like, they were all supportive, but I just felt like he was, like if I went to him, I would always kind of go to him first, and he was always kind of like, cool with his advice he was really approachable as a guy and again just a massive shame uh what happened and um but yeah no um 
I don't really know who does the training now, but it's like that was about three years ago. I know Kez Evans is now a trainer, and I remember I actually remember meeting Kez through uh, the Glasgow University uh, Pro Wrestling Society. Oh. Yeah, he was uh, best pals with uh, Connor, who was one of the presidents of the um, or the commissioner of the the Pro Wrestling Society. So I trained. He was like my personal trainer for a, a, a good few months with Kev Evans, and now he's the ICW champion. <laughs> well, it goes to show what you say about how you were in there, and with some people who look where they are now in wrestling, the Scottish scene, like a group of us were at ICWs, and if you're in Lowe's and there's them in the main event, it's the the world champion. No, so, it's just it. Yeah, it's a show, just goes to show there, Andy. If you stuck with it, you could have been main event in the guys against Kez Evans. Honestly, I always, I, I do have that dream of when I look back, was like for this, because, because I'm like six, I'm over six, but I was like one of the tallest guys there. So it was like they just kept trying to book me as like when I was doing like the training matches, they were trying to make me into like a monster character. But I was like, I enjoyed getting thrown around, but it was like everyone else was like, was, was like about five foot odd, so it looked daft for like someone to like throw me around who was like half my size. But I, I kind of, I do always look back, I was like, if I just stuck at it, like obviously everyone's rusty and, you know, training, you know, if you just do more training, obviously, um, you know, you'd have become better and if you were taken in. And I'm actually glad that I never, I, I just feel like wrestling is, it's a hell of a commitment. And it's like really, I always like, I still defend it when people try and say, oh, well, it's fake and all that. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it's predetermined, but it's hard going. Like, you're saying that because you don't know how unforgiving that ring is. That ring doesn't do you any favours and it's just like, if I would have done it in my twenties, in my early twenties, I would have probably have kept going, but I was sort of in my, I was becoming 30 and I was like, you know what, I can feel my body's getting a bit sore, you know, I still have like issues from wrestling training, like my back isn't 100%, I have issues with my knees. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only like 33 but it was that thing of that I'm glad I'd done up to what I did because it's just like the commitment that you need to put in you know fair, fair goes to the people who have stuck with it because you know they are their names and I just was like I never wanted to go that far I just wanted to do one live match which I did during the film and it was a small crowd of like 20 people and that was it that was that that was all I, I needed I, I don't need to main event no Wrestlemania I don't need to go up against Kez Evans at a, <laughs> an ICW show uh, but the problem is as well like the adrenaline that hit when, once it hits you when you're when you're actually doing the wrestling stuff it is, it is a feeling it is like a drug so you always kind of I've had it a few times where I get a bit drunk and I think about oh what if I just stuck at it and sorry but then I'm like oh I'm going to go back I'm going to sign up and I'll like message like a wrestling train to and I'm like when's your training I'm coming in and I'll wake up the next day I'm like nah I ain't going to that <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too old for this shit yeah I mean I remember talking to you after, like, that was there when you guys were filming the wrestling match, and, like, you guys ran through it, like, twice for, like, filming sake, and we were chatting to you afterwards, and you were, like, shattered, like, and understandably so, but, like, you seemed very adamant then, like, I've had a match, and, like, I don't need to do it anymore, and you seemed quite adamant about that. No, and that's what I mean, I'm, I'm glad that in, in being in the ring with Strack, who, he's had, like, lots of years of training, and, you know, I felt safe with him, considering he like basically hit me with a chair. Uh, 
which uh, it was quite funny. I remember when we were doing the Suflex sort of routine, I sort of just decided to just keep him up for a bit, which he wasn't expecting. So he was just a bit like, what is going on? Why has he not dropped me yet? And then he just sort of, I think he'd afterwards, he's like, why did you, you should have pre-warned me. I didn't know you were going to do that. I was like, sorry, I just, I didn't know. I just kind of froze. Uh, but no, I couldn't think of a better dance partner to be in that ring with. But yeah, I just remember afterwards, it was like, that's enough for me. And just to stand in the corner, people cheer. And then it's like, I've got nothing else to prove. You know, that for me was just, that is kind of just a, like, not to quote Vince McMahon, but the boyhood dream has come true. That was it for me. <laughs> I, I don't need to, again, it's just, I, you don't want to do something that you've, you love and then you hate it. And I just feel like, cause I'm that type of person where, I don't want to get too involved with like something that I've like dream of doing or, or something. And then it's like, I eventually I'm like, Oh, this is actually like really rubbish. And I don't like the lifestyle. And, uh, I, I, I know for a fact, I wouldn't have liked the wrestling lifestyle where you're on the road, you're away, you're traveling and you know, you're competing against your sort of friends and that too. I know it's not as bad as what it would have been in the eighties and nineties, but it's still that sort of mentality where it's kind of like, you've got to put in a lot to get a lot back and it's kind of like I've, I've kind of done that with my like other jobs and stuff like growing up and I was like I don't want to do that again like and, and I know I need to to like earn that respect and and I was like I just I just you know if I had if, if I would have done this in my 20s it would have been a different story but I was like, I've already done this sort of style of work and I'm just and I, I sort of felt like I knew where that road was going and I was like I don't want to go down that road and uh, I'll leave it to the people who actually want to do it and actually, like, are really keen. And, again, it speaks for themselves. Like, a lot of people, like, Levy was a guy I was in the ring with uh, uh, that I met in the main class, and he's, like, a lovely guy, and he just won a, a title. Uh, 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 Iron, Iron Grinders, I think. Gerders, I think it's, like, Wolfgang's little, like, Tim's Yeah. And he, uh, I, I was in a training match with him, and he was phenomenal to be in the ring with. And that was like three years ago, and obviously he's improved and improved and improved. He's like one of the nicest, again, one of the nicest guys. And I should really go back and say, I keep saying, oh, he's like one of the nicest guys I've met in wrestling. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's it's good to see people who I was I met there and did they're really doing well for themselves. And it was like, I don't know how I would have dealt with that kind of, if I'd have got good or, you know, that level of kind of recognisable. I, I kind of enjoy, like, being able to, like, just do my own thing without people annoying me. <laughs> so I, I don't think I would have handled it, like, people being like, uh, I don't know how my ego would have handled it. I don't know if I'd have enjoyed it or disliked it. So I'm, I'm glad I kind of didn't do it. But I do still have that sort of, the, of what if. You know, what if I did? I think if I had the right person in my ear, I'd probably try and do it again, but I'm glad I don't. <laughs> I'm glad I'm away from that, because I think I'd just, I, I think I'd just probably do, I'd probably try and go for a moonsault, like Kurt Angle style, and break something. I mean, imagine, like, the training, like, I think you could tell going into it that it was going to be painful, at least to start off with, and it takes some getting used to it, but, like, were you still show up to like that when you had to start practicing like bumps like oh my gosh this is like you realize what really goes into like being a wrestler mm, I, I felt it wasn't the first, I think it's like they say it's like when you do your first bump that's when you know and again it's that thing I can't really remember I remember because the, basically what the, the first thing they're trying to get you to do is basically fall back on your on your back which is so unnatural and you see it like 
do it with anyone where you just go, okay, like throw yourself back and make sure your head's tucked in, your legs are in the air, and the flat of your back's like hitting the mat. And you're like, what? So it's like you get people where they're doing it, and you see that the, the hands are trying to find like like where they're falling because it's just an, it's just so unnatural to 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 get your body like that. So I remember in my first course, I kept doing it where it was like my head kept hitting the mat. And it was that thing at first I didn't, it didn't you know, you just, your body gets used to it. So I was like throwing myself and I wasn't really tucking my head in properly. So it was like as soon as my back would hit, the force would just kind of help. Like my, my head would just hit the back of the mat. And uh, it was Jack Jester who basically took me to the side and he was like, if you keep doing that, you're going to get, you're, you're going to mush your brain. You need to kind of get that out of you quick because that's not how you do a bump. And uh, I don't know. I just remember like one day, like, uh, I'd, I'd basically done a bump and it was fine. Uh, I actually remember it was one of the funniest things was uh, BT God. We were doing, um, I can't remember the name of it, but you're doing like a front bump where you had to kind of jump and turn like in midair and then sort of do a bump. And for some reason I was more confident doing that as I think I knew where I was going and I knew how I was going to land compared to when I was falling backwards. So I remember I'd done it and done it like quite easy and BT God's like, how the hell can you do that? And you make it like, all right, but you can't do a fucking back bump. You know, I've, I've never seen that. I've never seen anyone do that before. He was like so baffled. It was like, that's usually more of a struggle. Yeah, you're struggling with the, the one that we're getting taught with. And yeah, just, uh, but no, like I said, that, that ring is unforgiving. But once the adrenaline hits you, you don't feel the pain. It's only like about an hour or two after. I always just remember it was like, uh, one of the worst ones was people would tell you that running the ropes was really sore. And then you would do it. But the thing is, though, the first few times you would do it, you're like, ah, it's not as bad as you think. But then they'd get you to keep running for like 10 minutes. And then before you know it, you're just like, my back and my lower back is in so much agony. Like, I can't do this anymore. And they're like, no, just keep going. You've got to get used to it. So you're like literally running back and forth for like 15 minutes. And then it's like when you're getting thrown into the tumbuckle as well, you've got to just go into it with such force. And it's like... As they say, it's like it never gets less sore. It's just your body gets used to it. And, you know, it's like when you get these, like, wrestlers who sort of take, like, years off and then they come back for a, like, a match and then they get injured. It's like, yeah, it's like it's understandable because their body's, like, so far away removed from doing all that that it's just, like, they need to build that tolerance up again. And it's just, yeah, it's just brutal. It is brutal. It's like, you don't realise how sore you are until the next day. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine, but like, I imagine that there's points where, like, you're that sorry, like, you question whether you want to continue doing this, but I think by that point, you're like, well, I've seen, agreed with David to do a film where, follow me being a wrestler, I can't say, oh, dude, I don't, I don't want to be a wrestler anymore. No, I, I think it's the thing is, you, the next day you're sore, but then by the, the, the second and third day, you're fine. So it's like, by the time the week comes back around, you're basically like, all right, I'm going to wrestling again, and then, uh, yeah, it was just it was just a weird, weird sort of. It's just it's that it's that thing where it's like when I look back, it doesn't feel like I've done it, but it's like but I, I did, you know. But it's it's just such a yeah, I don't know. It's that, that thing I always say: if someone wants to do it, do it, but just be prepared. It's not going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's gonna it's gonna hurt, and you know. 
and there's some good people there who like can engage away because they've all been through it. You know, it's that thing. It's like every wrestler's been through what you've been through. So it's always like if someone wants to do it, then you know, go and do it because you'll never know. Mm-hmm. And going back to to David and kind of putting the the film together, uh, I know you and David do like to have a bit back and forth even now you know, after like all the filming. And uh, I'm sure he'll have some things to say about what you've said about him nicer and otherwise. <laughs> uh, this, but how 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 do you think how do you think the film kind of affected your relationship with David? Because I know he, as a filmmaker, can take things very very seriously, and I think that was encapsulated when a real life thing from you filming at the Andy Mitchell film got turned into a funny scene for Ten Reasons Not to Make a Movie. The uh, a clip that David himself shared right before the film even came out. The uh, the fuck off, Phil Smith scene. That's like part of your your relationship. Yeah, it's just that it's just weird because like I've had a few of the podcast people come up and sort of like make a joke about that, but I never really made a big deal of it. It was just like I couldn't really say it, and it just became. I didn't realize it was going to become a scene in the film, which I was about like, all right, like because I it was just a weird thing of. For me, I just couldn't say it. It just felt unnatural. I think because when he was like. Oh, there's this promoter in it, and his name's Phil Smith. And I was like, Phil Smith's not a promoter's name. That's a really shit name for a promoter. Why didn't you like me? No, no, it's got to be Phil Smith. And then you've got to say fuck off, Phil Smith. And I'm like, right. And I was like, I just, I don't know. I thought it was hard. And uh, but yeah, he got really annoyed because I couldn't say it right. I think it was more I tried to do it my own way, and he was like, no, you have to say it like this. And I'm like. Oh, and I think that was the again it's like you've got like your camera on you you've got like about seven people standing around you so it's just like it's that thing if you don't do it right the first time and you mess it up it just becomes an issue and an issue but I'm surprised that became a talking point in the film Uh, uh, so um, yeah I don't know how to feel about that line something that I just don't like talking about because I'm just like ah it was one of those things and it's become a bigger thing and I'm like really it's not even that I just don't think it's that interesting (laughs) it's <laughs> just like um, uh, it's just I don't know David's like, what, it's David's warp sense of humour <laughs> <laughs> he can't say this line right well, yeah, yeah. couldn't <laughs> so what and it's like people was like oh but it's easy and I was like yeah but you're not saying it in front of a fucking camera <laughs> you're not the one that has to like say it in a weird like the in a way that's like it's it, it, it was just that thing I think it was just because David was like, this is the line. This is the line that's going to sell. This is going to be on T-shirts, Andy, this line. You know, you need to, like, puff it. So it's like, fuck off, Phil Smith becomes a life of its own because, like, you've got David basically telling you, this is going to be the I'll be back. This is <laughs> this is going to be the forces with you. This is the line that makes the movie. And then, yeah, it's just, like, that kind of pressure. So it's just like... Just that was my sort of point of view. It's like, yeah, I just I fucked it up and fucked it up and fucked it up, and it was like it just got to the point. I was like, I can't even be bothered saying it anymore. It's not even a good line. I, I felt like doing the hand, uh, the the Harrison Ford. I was like, David, you can write it, but you sure can't say this shit. <laughs> it was just like, but yeah, but we got there in the end. I didn't end up being like I don't know how many takes end up being. Like, I know it was in the double digits at that point. No, oh, I can't even bother like even uh, thinking. The thing is though, like I remember David basically was like one of the. I think it was uh, Ravy Day who was supposed to show up for a scene, and David done it. And David like 
like had to do like about 20 takes but he was like hitting himself and stuff and we were always like what is going on like is he possessed or something i was just it was just really we don't know who's being like like funny as in like trying to make us laugh or who's being really serious so it was a bit of a like what's going on here kind of thing so it's kind of like i like it that my scene of me being like can't say this line five times but obviously he's doing the edit so the one where he's like fucking up all the time it was uh, one take in, in the movie so yeah so a bit of behind the scenes of that <laughs> of that film but no it's all funny I, like, I don't mind it was just that thing of like yeah just is he an easy director film. to work for David Campbell because he does feel like he'd be a bit of a nightmare uh, no comment <laughs> <laughs> no I think David will say David is uh, a visionary as he says he uh he does. He has a. He has an idea, and he'll. He, you know, he, he goes for broke, which a lot of people don't do. I think a lot of people have ideas, and then they don't do anything with them. So it was kind of like I was the only one that could really drive at the time. So not only was I the star, uh, I was also uh, doing the driving, and uh, also if someone would pull out, I would do behind the scenes as well. So I was doing like quite a lot for the film. But all I asked for, David, I was like, the film, I, like, I remember like early on in the, and when we were doing the film, I was like, the film's not really about me. It's about the crew. I was like, I don't feel comfortable being the like the first name. Just like put me, like, like and Andy Mitchell, like put me like as last in the cast because I'm not, in that, and when I was watching it, I was like, I'm not really in the film that much. Like, I know the film's about me. It's like kind of like the being John Malkovich. It's like, yeah, the film's about John Malkovich, but he's not in it. <laughs> you know, he's not really in the film. So I always said that where I was like, I, I, I think there was a lot of things where I was a bit like, and I think this is just me with my anxiety, where I was like, nah, I don't really want to be seen as the first sort of name in the film. Like, I'd rather be like last, because it's, it's not about me, it's about everyone else. And he goes, no, but it is about you. And then he changed it to 10 things, 10 reasons not to make a film. And it was kind of like, yeah, just it was more of an ensemble, and uh, but that's just me. I'm just more like I just I don't really like being the center of attention, considering I'm doing this interview review right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Even when we're talking about him, he doesn't like to talk about himself. It's it makes for an interesting interview. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'll ramble on. Uh, I will, but I'm always like I, I just don't like saying. I just don't like talking about something. I just don't find myself that interesting. So. But uh, no, but like I say, like David, you know, fair dues to him. He's, you know, he's made quite a few films now. Um, I think he always wants me to. Like, he always talks about like we'll do another one. Now, like I, I do another one with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm retired. You know. Yeah, but uh, no. I, um, again, he, he's he let's say he's doing what he wants to kind of do, and you know, and I praise that and I respect that for him and. I think he's going to go far. I, I I can see him being on the Oscar stage, and you know, and Will Smith goes up to try and slap him. And he's like, no, it blocks it because he saw, he saw the old, uh, he saw, he saw the the one from last year. And he goes over and he gets you to walk out and says, "Go fuck off, Will Smith." Yeah, I'll say that. Well, fuck off, Will Smith. And he's like, hey. And he's like, no. <laughs> Reference to the past. And then like, people report an awkward incident at the Oscars where a man. Is forced to go back and forth. Telly Wilson had to fuck off around 16 times before That's he gets. Uh, Andrew Mitchell, some guy, David Campbell's associate, tells Will Smith to fuck off 12 times. I, I think Will Smith had already gotten back to his seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
no. So that will probably happen, yeah. No, I see I see good things for David's future. <laughs> I've been talking more about more him than I have myself. Well, again, saying you don't like being paying attention, but you have also kind of laid yourself up without realising that saying that you made a suggestion about the style of the film, like the kind of you mentioned like the Garth Marenghi kind of humour and then mentioned about how it's more of an ensemble piece and then when it becomes ten reasons not to make a movie, it eventually becomes an ensemble piece. So well, I, I just said I had the it's that sort of Notre Dame sort of Simpsons prediction where it's like, you know, two people can have the same idea, it's just I didn't uh, I'm not bothered about that, I'm glad David So I feel like if I went to David and said, Why don't you do it more Garth Marenghi? they'd be like, No, we're not doing that and uh, and then you know, it probably might have not went that way. Uh, so, uh, no, it was, just, it was just quite interesting. That it was like I had that thought, just never really thought of it. And then he goes, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing the film this way." And I'm like, oh, "It's really interesting." As I thought that as well. I thought, you know, because again, it's not my film. It's, it was his, it was his, his film at the end of the day. Uh, so he put the ideas out in the universe, and it took David Campbell. He had, he has to find out on his own. Nah. <laughs> No, it's quite, quite interesting. I actually do have a fun story about how I actually met him. Like, uh, I met him twice. Uh, I met him two different occasions. He thought it was two different people, bless him. Uh, so I remember I was on a night out and I was dressed as Beetlejuice. As you uh, do. As you do. It was, it was Halloween, to oh. add more context. Not just random. I wasn't just out and just like, I'm, like, I'm going to dress as Beetlejuice and it's like July. <laughs> Like, oh, it's Thursday, it's Beetlejuice. <laughs> you know, you say it, someone said it three times, so I'm out, it's Beetlejuice. Uh, and I remember someone had introduced me to David, and I was like, oh, how are you doing? Like, nice to meet you. And probably was like, I'm Andy, how are you doing? And he's like, ah, nice to meet you, and all that. Oh, we're in film together, I'll probably see you around. Uh, a few weeks or so later, because again, it's like such a big haul, like, uh, eventually I meet David. Just get chatting to him again. Just obviously, I'm thinking, oh, well, I've met him before. So I'm just, like, chatting away to him and that. And then I don't know what it is. I think it's, like, six weeks go by, and we've kind of, like, spoken quite a lot since then. And I'd brought up that I'd met him at Halloween. And he goes, I never met you at Halloween. And I was like, no, no, we have. We met. I remember meeting you. He goes, what? I was like, I can't remember you as Halloween. I was like, I was dressed as Beetlejuice. And he goes, that was you. And I was like, yeah. He goes, I thought that was a totally different person. <laughs> so he was thought it was like me, Andy Mitchell, just this guy, and then it's this random guy called, who was dressed as Beetle, just who he, he met once and never met again. So, uh, <laughs> so that's probably where I got the idea. Was like this guy could act, this guy could become a character because I can't remember him as Beetle. Uh, so really, no, th- this guy he blends into his characters. That's he was like ah oh, visionary. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, uh, just a great story. But, uh, no. I thought about David Campbell all day, and this isn't the David Campbell show. Uh, I'm sure he'd like it to be. <laughs> I, think he would, uh, I, I do remember going to a film uh, that scene, uh, like going with you guys to be an extra. I was one of a group of people, like a bunch of us me started went to be in the crowd as wrestling fans. So I am credited in 10 reasons not to make a movie as wrestling fan number two. Which, you know, is my only claim to fame. But yeah, I remember going there, there was food spread out, which my brother took full advantage of. We were sitting there, uh, and we had to react to the, the match. And uh, I remember that being a good day. But then I remember there was a bit in between filming where people got invited into the ring. So, like, oh, good. I remember leaning on the apron to get into the ring, thinking, like, Jesus, that's, I could feel the metal. And he's like, Jesus, actually, it's the hardest part of the ring. 
probably shouldn't take the piss out of people when they say that. And then I get into the ring. And Andy, I don't know if you remember this, but <laughs> against my will, you slammed me. Oh, yeah, I totally remember that. <laughs> I think mean, uh, I, yeah, I remember that vaguely. Just like picked you up and boom. But did, did I put you on a mat? I can't remember. I didn't slam you hard. Yeah, you slammed me onto a crash fire, which is which yeah, is fake. Yeah. Was, I remember it wasn't like I'm not picking him up and slamming him on the ground. I'm, he's going into a crash mat. <laughs> yeah, just as well because David and a couple of people on the the film crew were about worried about people even going into it to begin with. Like, basically, don't piss around. We've no got nobody's insured around here. Oh yeah, I was like, boom, straight away. I I don't think I was insured. (laughs) I think it was just me just doing my own thing, and it was like, have I got injured? I got injured. Well, I get into the ring, and then you wander over, and you said, who wants uh, to get get slammed? And before the words no, are you fully at my mouth? I'm like, I'm upside down. (laughs) Because I I didn't realise how strong you were. I almost sound like, oh, I'm up in the air. And then as I'm going over, my phone is in my pocket. With no zits, and I can see my phone sailing past my <laughs> it falls out of my pocket as I'm being slammed. God, I honestly totally forgot about that. I just, I, just, I think I gained nerves because it was like, oh, uh, but yeah, I, I shouldn't just say that. I was like, I remember that baby. <laughs> but no, uh, at least you didn't get hurt. That's the main thing. Yes, only my pride. Only my pride. <laughs> uh, it was a fun day again involved getting to shout things at the ring while watching the the match that you guys put together and also remember for the purposes of the film I think it's got dropped when the when the film changed but you were randomly known as head but when you were in the ring and so yeah. maybe it was a show like whatever when Andy shouts head but you all knew they shout back head but and then he had to shoot it from different angles like shot in the ring and then shoot the crowd so you get to the crowd shouting head but so he was like, we got to do it from different angles. Again and <laughs> again and again. Yeah, it was like, I was like, we've said it. It's done. <laughs> yes, but we got to do it from different angles. No, that's what it kind of felt like. Yeah. I don't know, it was, just, it was fun. It, it was that thing. I think it was the last, that was probably been the last kind of thing I was filming. Uh, I can't remember when I wrapped. Well, I went to the premiere, so I know it's finished. So, <laughs> uh, right. but I, I was about, so I can't, I can't remember. Again, it's that thing where it's you're a part of something for so long, and then, and then it's just done, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah let's all that time go. Like, was there a point though when, like, the pandemic happened? And also, the film kind of got, like, wasn't finished when the pandemic happened. Was there a point where you or any of the other guys involved that were wondering if? The film would ever actually see the light of day, or if it's to get finished. Oh, I, I, I had full trust in David. I knew it was getting, it was going to get made, regardless of what's happening. I just, I just know David, so I know it was gonna. I never knew it was. I just was like, I think when it got to like year two or year, I want to say we filmed for three years, but I might be wrong. I can't really remember. I just remember it went over a year, but I just knew it was like I'm just we're still filming. You know, we're still getting together and we're still filming and again, we lost, like, one cast member. Say, like, lost, like, he died, but he, uh, he just went to America. Uh, and then, yeah. It does put a bit in the movie where it says R.I.P. and leaves it for an awkward amount of time Do you think, did he actually die? And it just comes up on screen, he's not dead, he's just dead to me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and I just, we were just still filming stuff and I was like, 
I think it was that point we'd filmed that much and again we we one of the earliest things we'd done was filming in the boxing sort of uh, sort of gym. So it was like David put his own money into it and it was a bit like yeah, it's a bit unfair to rent that place out and I don't really know how much he spent, but to rent that place out and then not actually finish the film. So it was that thing of uh, obviously, like with the pandemic, and uh, I don't even know how much left we had to film during the pandemic. Uh, it's just such a blur. But uh, no, we just we just kept coming back. I just and yeah, just I don't know. I never had any doubt. It wouldn't. I just always knew. I knew if it if it was going to get me. If he never filmed anything more, he would just sort of edit it into something that he wanted to do. But I knew he wanted to um, do the wrestling match. And then, again, we've done it. And, yeah, now it's in a film. And I think he's trying to get it on uh, Amazon the last time you told me. So, yeah, just still still so surreal. Again, it'd be, it'd be really weird if I was on Amazon one day and I'm like, hold on a minute. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that'd be awesome. Because uh, I remember going to the screen, I know you just walked out halfway through. And again, you got your own reasons, but... I did, we did find it awkward. Like, I just thought you were going to the toilet. Then there was a point where a group of us were sitting there like, has Andy come back yet? Like, the film's nearly over. Like, where the fuck is Andy going? He's, he's in this film. Uh, but I remember pointing to the film. Like, I knew it was going to be, I would enjoy it because, you know, you guys were involved and I know New Day was put a lot of time into it. But, like, I was not expecting to laugh as much as I did. Like, it, it's a really funny film. And, um, you know, fingers crossed that David, you know, figures out a way for more people to see it. Yeah, I think one of the reasons I ended up leaving because uh, we it was supposed to start at a certain time and it got delayed by half an hour because we we're still waiting for like people and I'd say to David, like, I, I, I had places to be. I had other premiers to go to, pal. No, I just had <laughs> had plans, uh, which I'd already because I think it was. I just said to, I need to be at these this place by this time, and then it was a case. Uh, uh, I sort of brought brought my flatmate, and uh, I think he he only knew me from the film so he was just like watching he was like what is this I like he was just a bit like like he just didn't understand because he didn't know wrestling you know either so he was just like and I think he was the wrong person to bring because it kind of like I was there and I could feel that he wasn't really getting it and I was like shit and then I felt like bad and then he was like I'm I'm gonna go and I was like right I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, you know what times it, I, I need to be at this place, like at this time, so it's probably best I just come with you, and then we just kind of left together, and uh, I was just like, what are your thoughts on it? He was like, yeah, was, I didn't know anyone in it, but, it's, you know, you made the movie, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, I thought there was that coolness as well, of just being like, yeah, just, um, like, I saw everyone, I said hello, but I was like, you know what, just kind of disappear into the night. It was, David, it was David's night, it wasn't, it wasn't about... It, it wasn't about me, uh, or like I don't even know if any other cast was there. I think like one or two of the other ones were. I can't remember. But I just was like, I don't, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just, I just again, I've already mentioned, I'm not a big fan of like sort of people coming up and being like, hey, yeah, you done well, and I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, <laughs> you know what they say, kind of. So I just felt like, you know, if I go, then at least it's more like. You know, because David, David put it all together and, and David, uh, you know, kind of just went out of his way. It was, it was David's film. I just, I just, I just happened to appear in it. Oh, that's, that's very nice to hear today. But like, 
that is a kind of cool thing to be everything avid over the last couple of years. You guys say you've got a film that could, you know, all, you know, fingers crossed and everything be on Amazon, but you got to be in a film regardless and you got to have a wrestling match as part of it and do some training. So at the end of the day, you've, like you said, Elle, you've crossed a few things off your, your bucket list. No, it's, uh, again, it's quite surreal. And I think it's that thing that's like, it's going to be cheesy, but it's that, you know, if you, if you, if you can, if you want to do stuff in your life, you know, you can, you can always do it. It's going to be hard, but, you know, you'll never, it's that thing you're never not going to know until you try it. And even if you try it and you're rubbish at it, at least you try that. Or you try that, you got a taste, you're like, I want to be better at this, then, you know, it starts a, a road. And it is cool that, again, David gave us that opportunity to, Live the dream, so to speak. Live the, to actually do the wrestling and and to do and um, kind of just do a match. And you know, again, that was yeah, that's kind of just what I wanted to do. Uh, that was like one of the biggest things I ever wanted to do, and I done it. So it's kind of like yeah, it's quite cool to look back and be like yeah, I did a wrestling match once. It's good for that. Uh, you know the uh, two trips and a lie because I was throwing the wrestling thing and always, and everyone goes ah nah wrestling one's like fake that's the lie and I'm like nah it's, that actually happens <laughs> that actually happens that's another chapter in the strange annals of life of Andy Mitchell yeah I'm pretty boring like I'm literally <laughs> just like just I think that's the thing was like uh, once you do it all you just kind of sat and just like ah you know just like chill out play video games and watch TV and Earn the wage. <laughs> you played oh. anything? What was the last thing you played? I played God of War Ragnarok. I finished it. Uh, the other day. Hmm? <laughs> Sorry, just like I'm pretty sure you're like the third person I've talked to in the last week when I mentioned when video games came up to mention that game. I like I'm not I'm I'm not somebody who games a lot, and so I've not followed God of War. But I know everyone saw about God of War. So literally, like in the space of a week, you're like the third person I talked to when we talked yeah. about video games. Oh, I'm in it. I'm in it. <laughs> uh, the character model's based on me. No, <laughs> I like the, the, final, the big boss battle. Nobody knows when Kratos shouts headbutt and his headbutts the final god that he has to fight. No, I'm saying I'm the character model for Kratos because I've got the bald head and the beard. But uh, he's like in shape and I'm kind of out of shape. So, uh, But no, it's a good game. Uh, great story. I mean, a lot of people joke about how the character model kind of looks a lot like Triple H, but clearly, that's yeah. <laughs> the way I the bald look, because you talk about Triple H earlier on, like, look, I could pass for Triple H, I've got the bald head, I've got the beard, I'm a, I'm a wrestler, you know. Yeah, the only thing, unlike Triple H, you didn't try and bring out the golden shovel in your wrestling match. No, I didn't, I could have done that, I could have been like, damn, David, what's the match finish? I should win. The film's about me, god damn it. Just jokes here. Jokes his beard. Mm, that don't work for me, brother. Uh, so that don't work for me. Did I go over? Ah, <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, I, I, it's funny when you say that. I totally. I always forget like Triple H is bald now. I always, when I think Triple H, I think the long hair. You know, but it's, yeah, he's bald and he's got a beard and he's just like, uh, yeah, it's just a different look. <laughs> so. I know you said you're not going to do like wrestling. You have no plans to do more wrestling in the future. But as we round out, I do like to talk to people about kind of like ideas of the future, like their future ambitions. So, is there any any ambitions you can have, whether it be kind of in the world of acting in the future, maybe not with David as your director, or, <laughs> or podcasting that you have going forward? Um, I feel that 
the next thing I kind of want to try is uh, do a little bit of improv. Maybe not go as far as doing stand-up. I don't think I'd... I'd it's that thing. I think stand-up's that thing. Of, um, it'd be interesting to do, but I feel like if I... Like, beforehand, I'd be, like, confident until I'm on that stage and I'd probably shit myself. But I'd like to do sort of a bit more improv. And then if I did do a podcast, uh, I talked about this with Daniel Campbell, where it was like, I had an idea for a podcast where it's kind of similar to this. But it's like, um, it's sort of just like, you know, those sort of when it's comedians just talking to each other and it's just like, just tell stories and just tell like funny anecdotes and that. It's just like, that'd be just a cool idea for a podcast where it's like, you and just, um, just a mate, one mate at a time or two and it's just like, you're just sort of chatting, but you've got the, the podcast sort of recalled and then, you know, just with a tight edit, you know, it, it might sound really good. Or it might sound really bad. But I feel like it's like, you know, some of the funniest people you know are your pals. It's just you don't go on stage to tell them stories. You just, obviously, you make each other laugh. So it's, I always feel like that'd be a cool idea. And I think there's probably, that's a cool idea. It's like hundreds of podcasts that's got those ideas. Uh, and it's like to just do that. But we have a bit of a Scottish twist on it. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, stay tuned for that on your airways. I'd, I'd like to see you doing more in the world because I think you know, like especially when you you get involved with somebody who you you've got like a good back and forth with. Because I've enjoyed having you on here, and let you see more of you kind of in the podcast world. No, that'd be good. It's just I think again, it's I think it's just the preparation, the confidence kind of side, and then I think you probably know it yourself where you get a bit worried. That it's like, am I going to be entertaining? Am I going to sound like good on the podcast or is it just going to be like, a waste of time and uh, again like I think you, you're you really good at it because you've got was this your third or fourth podcast you've got um, um, yeah like third like I do different things under Rogue Pines but I also do SSR and then a different job with my mate yeah. Paul so but yeah you're always busy I always keep seeing the updates and it's like well this guy's got more content than wrestling these days <laughs> just a uh, uh, reference to the start of the day <laughs> but no but again, again you're like so into it it's like really good you know and I think that's probably the best way to be because you're not really thinking to get nervous and you know you're just the, the, at this point it's really natural for yourself because I've appeared on a lot of podcasts with you and uh, yeah, just you know what to say, you know how to carry the sort of podcast, and you know you're quite good at what you do. Please, my head will be the size of the camera. <laughs> I feel bad because I feel like I've said really nice things, and I've kind of been like, just eh. like uh, David, and I've, I just hope he's not upset if I. He was like, oh Andy, I don't agree with that. How dare you say those things? I'm like, but they're true, David. And he's like, yeah, probably. Right. Well, <laughs> and if you want to dispute it, you can come on the show and talk about yeah, exactly. it. Exactly, you could come on. But, you know, just, sorry, when you mentioned the stand-up, I just, I keep going back to the scene, uh, I just, I imagine you on the stand-up just being nervous, like, so, don't you hate it when you need to tell a guy called Phil Smith to fuck off, but you can't get it right, and a guy who cried a camera keeps yelling at you? What's that all about? Yeah, and it's just like one person's laughing, you know, like, oh, like, at least I got a laugh. Uh, Campbell in the back laughing, like, yes, so relatable. No, I feel like I'd be more like Michael Scott where I just pretend I've got a gun and just keep pointing at someone. You know? <laughs> oh. But, Andy, I think that brings us to the end of our time, a little chat together. But before we go, uh, I do let my guests pick a song uh, to play us out. So, Andy, if you have a, a song you'd like to play us out with. 
Oh, I've got, I did not realise I had to pick a song, uh, but I have just got one, and it is Sparks, music that you can dance to. <laughs> okay, then. You never, I never really know what people are going to suggest when I, when I tell them they can pick a song. But thank you, Andy Mitchell, for joining me here on this, this latest episode of No Dogs Bard. Uh, Andy, where can people find you on Twitter if they want to, to know about the elusive and very, as we learned here, quite humble Andy Mitchell. Um, I don't really do a lot on social media, but if you were going to follow me, give us a follow on Andy Mitchell is my name, which is, uh, again, I'm like, oh, like, I don't really talk about myself, but my Twitter, my Twitter, my Instagram handle is like, my name is this. But uh, Andy Mitchell is my name. Uh, that's probably where I share most of my stuff. And I really need to get back on Twitter. I just, I just never know what to say. I feel like David's there waiting for me to say something so he can wind me up. <laughs> throw jabs at me and I don't know what to say back to him <laughs> and you can also find Andy occasionally and his antics over Eat 3 Suplex Retreat at Suplex Retreat on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram uh, make sure you also find them on all good Android podcasts and sites Anchor, Spotify, iTunes he's also been on Quiz Showdown a show that sometimes on YouTube youtube.com forward slash Suplex Retreat just search Eat 3 Suplex Retreat on YouTube you can find it uh, you can follow us here on Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me, it's going to be 1996 if you feel bored enough and you want to find someone else to follow. Uh, you can check back into the archives for past episodes of uh, No Rogues Bard and the other guests I've had. I've been trying to bump record a bunch of episodes together because I keep leaving too long a gap between doing episodes of this so I'm trying to make it a more regular thing. But you know, there's a fairly few shows of me and Andrew were in Eat Sleep Still Pets Retreat. Uh, look up the show I mentioned before. The show is called It's Still Real to Me. Damn it. It's a, that's the show where we talk about, uh, CM Punk best in the world. <laughs> I think sometime last month that came out. So you don't have to scroll that back, that far, that far back in the archives to find it. And maybe go and check out Andy's show. He's about the big show on the NWO and let him know if you enjoyed his hosting style. Please say something nice. Don't help this his confidence. <laughs> uh, I'm sure my confidence is alright it's uh yeah I don't know what else to say <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a fitting way to end but Andy thank you again for joining us and telling us of your tales of wrestling and your 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 time in the Hollywood spotlight no it's been grand uh, it's been good to chat with you and uh, it's good to be a part of the show <laughs> thank you very much uh, until next time we'll see you later